And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! The Jets are losing games, and now Sam Darnold will miss time. At least one game, probably two games, maybe more. It all feels like deja vu for this New York Jets team, a lot like 2019. Thanks for coming along for the ride here on the Can't Wait Podcast. Tim McMaster, along with Connor Hughes and our producer, Marissa Morris. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Give us a five-star review as well. Uh, Good stuff coming up on the show tonight. We'll talk about Darnold, obviously, and we'll get you ready for this Cardinals game because the Cardinals – are kind of doing what the Jets aren't doing with a young quarterback and a young head coach. But we'll get it all for you if you're watching on YouTube, hopefully before the start of the Thursday night game. Connor was only a few minutes late tonight, so we're, we're running on time. Well, he's actually yeah. early. Or Let's early. Uh, oh, we said we were, we were going right, to start at 7, and he Saturday. asked us if we wanted to start That's early. So I'm not sure if Connor's feeling great. okay tonight. but It's next level thinking. Well, I was yeah. at the gym, and that guy's. I was finishing up the gym. I was like, well, we can wait till 7, or we can probably do 6.30. But then I'm always late anyway, so I showed up at like 6.33. <laughs> but still, we're earlier than 7. We're we're, uh, we're later than 6.30. It's like that happy, happy little medium. I'd say, yeah, but you know what? Actually, I'm having a bad day because, like, I was having a terrible hair day today. And that was like, I know, like, I, I didn't realize bad hair days were a thing until, like, I started growing out my hair, and then I started styling my hair. That's when I was like, oh. You can have bad hair days, and that's not fun. And like I, I, I don't know why I couldn't do anything to get it right. Still managed to make it work to go to work. But when I got home from the gym, I was like, "We're rocking the hat. We're rocking the hat and the uh, the open flannel for Eddie Van Halen." R.I.P. We're gonna we're gonna do both of those, man. Big big Van Halen fan. Love them growing up. I had actually crazy story. I had, like my my girlfriend freshman year of high school, uh, pre break. B uh, B B. Do we do we want to talk about this? Uh, she did break my heart. Deanna, Deanna <laughs> broke my heart. It was, uh, it was a rough one. I, I took a little to bounce back from that, uh, sent me into it to a little slump, but then two years later, the lovely Brienne Galvin came into my life at my very first job and we've been together ever since. So, uh, but no, she, Deanna, Deanna Foley got me into to Van Halen and I'm still a, a big fan of him today. So to hear Eddie Van Halen died was a, a little, little bit of an upsetting thing the other day. So are you RIP uh... open flannel wore it to work, wore it today. going to wear it for the rest of my life. Where's to, where's to work for you? Your office? Florham Park. Uh, oh, oh, Florham. oh, I was at practice today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of, yeah. We can't all just we can't just all all be home all the time, right? So some of us actually have to go to practice and stuff like that. True. Yeah. I take take the drive from Princeton up to Florham Park. Uh, it's actually <laughs> funky really now though. That. Yeah. No. It's weird. It's honestly it's it's almost pointless now because like you drive like for me I drive about an hour hour ten minutes depending on traffic to get to Florham Park. I get there. I go in my cubicle. I do the press conference with Adam Gase. I wait 30 minutes, I go out to practice for 20 minutes, and then I get in my car and I drive home. So like basically like, well, until the Jets flipped up their their uh, practice their practice schedule here, giving the middle finger to Bill Nye the science guy as far as like sports science and stuff. 
uh, I was literally like driving an hour to watch 20 minutes of stretching and like two minutes of individual drills before being kicked off the field. So it wasn't really worth it. But I mean, now at least you get to see like a little bit of the uh, starting offense, starting defense go at it, you know, for that that little warm up period or ramp up period, as Adam Gase likes to say now. So so that at least makes it a little bit more uh, more useful. Back to Van Halen really quick. David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Oh, I think Sammy. Yeah. I think Sammy. I like. I love dreams, and I like. I don't know. I I love all of them. I like it at the beginning. I like it at the end. I like them all, man. It's like, it's crazy. It's it, you know what's actually funny is I was listening to a Howard Stern. I'm a big Howard Stern guy, and they um he was recounting like because he had a, a good relationship with Eddie Van Halen, uh, which I didn't know about, and he did kind of a pretty big tribute for for the majority of the show, like a, a really long tribute to him. Um, and he was saying like that was one of the few bands. Uh, ACDC, I think you can probably loop up in there that made the change with the lead singer and didn't yeah. skip a beat. Like normally you can right. lose a lead singer and like, you know, all goes to hell. Like they didn't lose a beat when they made that switch. And uh, it, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. The other one is uh, uh, Three Days Grace also. I mean, they're no, they're not in the same stratosphere as like Van Halen or ACDC, but they're another one of the, I, I'm a big like rock and roll guy. So um, I like that one. And, and they made the switch as well with, with the different singer. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Like it's cool, cool that they were able to do that. So when I, not to date myself, but when I was growing up, you know, Sammy Hagar was the guy who was after the David Lee Roth years, but that was when they, you know, they were really big was when I was first kind of getting into music. So I always said that, but my brother is like five years older than me. Yeah. So he was, he was, we were kind of like on complete different sides of that fence just because of our ages. And he was yeah. always stayed true to David Lee Roth because he remembered, you know, jump and all that stuff when he was yep. really getting into music. But then when I was getting into music, it was dreams and that stuff. So, yeah, but I, I always thought that was good. But I mean, we both Wasn't dreams all those years. This is like, well, I'm pretty sure dreams was on like the pow- the mighty morphing power Rangers movie soundtrack. I think because power Rangers were like super big when I was a kid. Like that was like when power Rangers were at their heyday was when I was a kid, like red Ranger, Rocky, uh, Tommy, like all that stuff. And I'm almost positive that the mighty morphing power Rangers movie with Ivan ooze. I think at the end they're playing dreams. I'm almost positive. And I think that that was like my first introduction to Van Halen. And I was like, that was really cool. And then my dad like illegally downloaded the song for me and I would put it on my little uh, CD player when I used to make uh Connor Connor's mixtape, which, or they were Connor's mix CD, I guess. And then eventually my MP3 player was dreams was always on there. I used to love that song. And I'm pretty sure the first time I, I found it was uh, I'm almost positive. The first time that I found it was uh, on the, the power Rangers movie. I'm pretty sure that was on there. The Jets could use a few Van Halen songs in the weight room, I think, right now to uh, to, to get them going, help get this season turned around. How's that for a segue? I like it. I like uh, it. That's uh, not bad. That's why you're the pro. That's why you're the pro here, man. That's why they pay uh, you the big all right. Bucks. Let's get to this team. We got to talk about the quarterback, obviously. Um, you know, right after the game, the couple days after the game, uh, when he injured the shoulder, the, the idea was that he was in pain, but if he could deal with the pain, he'd be able to play. And that... You know, it just seems like over the course of that week, Connor, it got worse. And now we're in the situation where we're right back where we were a year ago, where potentially he's missing multiple games. And it's something that we've kind of gone on and on about. But like that development, the regression's already there. And now suddenly he's missing games. Um, it's not good. No, it's it's another thing now that I think the Jets are going to have to take into consideration. Right. I mean, like. I, I honestly feel bad for Darnold because I, I've said how like I think like I, I'm not I'm not a quarterback evaluator. I am not a coach. I am I am the last person that, that you want to take when I say like this is what I think or, or when it comes to like actually evaluating a quarterback. I can just tell you that 
as a reporter, as a guy who's watched every snap of Sam Darnold's career, as a guy who watched him every single day in training camp and seeing what he does, like, in my opinion, what I think of him. And, and I think that Sam Darnold is the guy that if you put him on a loaded team, Sam Darnold's going to have success and he's going to be a good quarterback. I, I think if you put him in the Dallas Cowboys offense, the Dallas Cowboys offense will be successful. I think if you put him in the Buffalo Bills offense, I think the Buffalo Bills offense will be successful. I think if you put him on the Kansas City Chiefs with that coaching staff and that roster, the Kansas City Chiefs would be successful. What I don't think, and this is just my opinion on Sam Darnold, is that I don't think he's the quarterback that you can take him and put him anywhere and that offense immediately becomes better. Like if you take Pat Mahomes and you put Pat Mahomes on any offense in the NFL, that team immediately becomes legitimate. If you take Deshaun Watson and you put him in any offense, that team immediately becomes legitimate. And I know that they're 0-4 right now, the Texans are, but they're still competing and they're in these games and they're close. The Jets aren't close in any of these things. That's kind of how I think Sam Darnold is. I think he, he reminds me a lot his play style of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think he has the ceilings that Ryan Fitzpatrick has in some of his games or the booms that Fitzpatrick has where, you know, Fitz will have games where he throws like five touchdowns. You're like, where the hell did that come from? But as far as the play breaks down, running around more comfortable when all is going to hell than he is in a clean pocket, I think that's the kind of player that Sam Darnold is. But as far as his ceiling, as far as what he's going to be long-term, as far as what, I mean, again, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum, man. It's it's all unknown. It's, it's all a giant question mark because you don't know and, and I don't want to keep repeating myself but, you, myself, but you don't know if Sam's struggling because there's no talent around him. You don't know if Sam is struggling because he's had terrible coaching the last couple of years. You don't know if Sam's struggling because of the offensive line and the hits that he took in early in his career. You don't know. And at the end of this season, if the Jets are in a position picking number one, number two in the draft and Trevor Lawrence is there, Joe Douglas is going to have to make a decision on Sam Darnold without actually knowing concrete what he has in Darnold. He's going to have an evaluation of him. He's going to have his opinion of him, but he's not going to know because there are all these variables that the Jets didn't cross off. And now the other thing that you can throw in this mix, and, and with Sam officially missing this game on Sunday, is there are going to be durability concerns tied to Sam Darnold because he will now be going into his fourth season as an NFL quarterback, and he will have never played a full season through the first three years, despite being handed the starting job as a rookie, handed the starting job as a sophomore, and handed the starting job here in year three. He will have never finished a full season. And and obviously year one, dealt with the foot issue. Year two, the mono I don't fault him for. That That is such a fluky, off-the-cuff illness. You don't fault him for the for that. But then he has the thumb issue, and the thumb issue required off-season surgery and prevented what uh, a lot of his abilities and a lot of the things that he can do it held him back year two and now year three he's got the shoulder issue and some quarterbacks just aren't overly durable and you don't know if Sam's dealing with this because of fluky things you know I have quarterbacks that that have injury issues and then suddenly they're fine the rest of their career you have quarterbacks that never deal with the issues despite getting the hell beat out of them like like Brady obviously outside of the one the one fluke ACL tear and, and Eli Manning and all these other things so this is an injury that Donald's going to come back from. He's not going to miss the season. He'll probably be back in two or three weeks. But it's just the fact that this season is now going to end. It's going to end with all of these questions surrounding Sam Darnold. And now when the Jets are trying to eliminate questions, as the Jets are trying to find answers, they now find themselves just asking more. And and the next question is now, can Sam Darnold stay healthy for a full season? So when, when again, Joe Douglas is trying to make this, this decision Come April, potentially, if this Jets season, which seems steamrolling towards the top pick in the NFL draft, if this gets down to, should I draft Trevor Lawrence? Should I keep Sam Darnold? If that's a legitimate 
option that Joe Douglas has. He's going to have to make that decision without knowing if Sandardo's struggles are tied to the coaching staff, receivers, offensive line. But even if he has kind of a, a strong inkling on what his answer there is, now he does have to worry is Sam Donald the quarterback that's going to play a full 16 games? Or is he somebody that's always going to be a little nicked up that you always got to hold your breath on? And the quarterback that I kind of compare that to, Tony Romo, right? I mean, Tony Romo yeah. was the guy that for the Dallas Cowboys, when he was on the field, he checked all the boxes, man. He was a dominant player. But you kind of always, especially the last four, five, six years of his career, you kind of always held your breath a little bit in that when he took a hit and he got sacked and he went to the ground, you were always kind of like, is he going to pop up? And there were shoulder issues. There were there were all these kind of little issues. But you always kind of, when he got hit and he went down, you were always like, is he going to get back up? And then when he did, you were like, okay, good. Until the next sack. And then you were like, is he going to get back up? And I can't help but have that feeling or start to get that feeling that I'm going to have that feeling about Sam Darnold, which is when he gets hit, is he going to get back up? And when you're talking about potentially drafting a quarterback or being in a position to draft a generational talent or somebody that a lot of people consider a generational talent in Trevor Lawrence, that question about Sam is going to be something that you have to consider. And like I said, Jets wanted to eliminate variables, just wanted to answer questions this season. And and we're through a month now and, and suddenly they, they find themselves asking even more. I feel like we've gotten to the point already where I don't think it's even a question if, if they end up with that number one pick. I mean, there's some doubt there, but I think I think you have to take Trevor Lawrence, but um, so now Joe Flacco, the Joe Flacco era has arrived, and there was a feeling, to me at least, I don't know how the rest of uh, Jets Nation feels, but when when they signed Flacco, I felt like there's no question this guy is at least starting one to three games for the Jets this season, just because it seems like Donald, you know, there's always something. Um, and now here we are with Joe Flacco. So I know it, it's obviously for the future of this team, it's terrible to have Joe Flacco starting and not Sam Darnold just from everything you just said. But from an actual winning on Sunday against the Cardinals perspective, does Joe Flacco give this team a better chance to win? Uh, I don't, I don't think he gives them a better chance to win, no. But I don't think that it's as stark of a drop-off or steep of a drop-off, I should say, and, and stark of a difference as as some people think. I mean, Sam, look, and I know people get so amped up over this because they blame the coaching and they blame the talent and they blame all these other things. That's fine and dandy. If that's what you want to blame, you can blame and you can do whatever you want. The fact is, is that Sam has not been having a very good season. Through, right. through four weeks and for whatever reason, Sam Darnold has not played well and he hasn't been consistent and, and – it's not just about the talent around him. It's not just about the coaching, which which obviously throwing to Josh Malone and Braxton Berrios is not helpful. And having Adam Gase call the plays and scheme the things as he has is not very helpful. But Sam is still making mistakes because of Sam. There are issues at quarterback that are not tied to the receivers. There are issues at quarterback the Jets are having right now, which are not tied to the head coach. Sam has receivers that are open and he's misfiring on them. Sam has receivers that are open, and he's not seeing them. Sam is turning the ball over. Sam's making rookie mistakes, technical technical mistakes, footwork mistakes, throwing motion mistakes, uh, elementary mistakes, honestly, that should long be extinct from his game by now, and they're still prevalent. So when you look at Sam Darnold, and, and you look at some of the, the – I, I want you to – people that watch this, like take away the – the one or two, like, holy cow, did you just see what he just did? Like, take away. It's almost like when you're looking for for the um, 
the mean or what is it the median i've been so so wrong. like wherever it's like where you take away the high and you take away the low and you just focus on what's what's there in the meeting marissa you, you help us with this i know i yeah, know you I got this know. one right at the tip of your tongue we're all journalism majors none of us were good at math uh, <laughs> no i know google it google i think it, it's then. the Someone's mean right i i can't yeah i think it's the mean and the mode is the average what's the is mode is it the mode no it's not the might mode. be mode somebody in the mode. chat help us out yeah, yeah really please. i think it's mode Mean, the mode, mode, the value that appears most often in a set of data sets. Okay, so it's definitely not that one. Not the most. I can't remember what's average. <laughs> I can't remember if it's mean or mean. No, the mean average. is the mean is the mean and the median are the same thing. No, okay. no, 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 they're, they're not. Oh, the median's the mean, number median. in the middle. The one of them is the, the middle average. number, and one of them. Yeah. Is the so average. what I'm what I'm yes. trying to say is, take away Sam's highs, take away Sam's lows, and find that mean or median, whatever the hell the word is, right there in the middle. Find that. <laughs> And you median. analyze his Chat play. Chat says median. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Median. Yeah, okay, multi, there we, uh, we have three three people weighing in quickly. Uh, yeah. Well, we, we're a little ahead of the chat, so they're, the the chat's a little delayed, so they're just catching into this crazy discussion we're having right now. So the median, I'm saying, look at Sam's median of what he's had every game, and what you see are a vast majority of footwork errors, and you see a vast majority of guys that are open where he's just inaccurate and missing them, or guys that are open where he's not throwing to them. I mean, just the Broncos game is the perfect depiction of that. You obviously have the 46-yard touchdown run, gorgeous. You have the the 21-yard pass to Jeff Smith when he's booting out to the right, awesome. But what you also have is he's holding the ball too long and he's taking sacks. What you also have is Lawrence Cager wide open over the middle, Sam doesn't make the throw. What you have is Braxton Berrios on a drag route and Sam throws it over his head when he's got to step on the defender. What you have is Chris Hogan wide open over the middle and instead Sam forces the ball on a wheel route to, to Frank Gore. And, and those plays are there. And, and those are plays where Sam is missing. I mean, Sam Darnold's quarterback passer grade per pro football focus, aside from the 49er game where he was asked to just dink and dunk, has not been very good. In fact, it's never been higher than 60. It's been in the 50s and 40s in his other three games. Joe Flacco is not going to be any worse than that. Like, Joe, Joe's not going to... The throws that Sam Darnold misses, the guys that are open that Sam Darnold doesn't see, Joe Flacco is not going to miss any more of those. Joe Flacco is not... Like, I don't think there's going to be that steep of a drop-off between Sam Darnold, the Sam Darnold's median quarterback play this year and what you're going to get by inserting Joe Flacco, the veteran, in there. I, I don't honestly believe that there's going to be that stark, that, that steep of a drop-off. Where I believe you're going to feel Sam Darnold's absence is what Sam Darnold does when the play breaks down, right? When everything's going well, when there's a clean pocket, the guy's open, Joe and Sam are going to be, based off of this year, about the same. Like, But what you're going to see a big difference from is when Chuma Adaga gets beat by Chandler Jones, Sam has the ability to scramble, move around the pocket, extend the play, step up, scramble, and give you five or six yards, or boot out of the pocket on the run and hit the play on the run. I mean, he he has the ability to do those things that Joe Flacco doesn't. Joe Flacco is a former Super Bowl MVP. I've watched him throw. The guy still has a cannon for an arm. I mean, I, I like seriously, he's one of those guys where even just his little long tosses and his little flick of the wrist, the way the ball looks coming out of his hand as a football fan, it's like, man, that's just cool. Like just seeing somebody throw the ball like that's just cool. But that is not what the Jets really need sometimes. They need the guy that can move and run around. And Joe Flacco, even in his heyday, has never been that guy. He's always been the pocket passer statue, where he sets up in the pockets, where he's going to be. He can be like Eli a little bit and move around in the pocket and reset, but he's not going to get out and move. And and that's what I think the Jets are losing by having Sam Darnold out of the lineup. 
And with some of the issues that they're having on the offensive line right now with Mekhi Becton out, Chuma Adaga in, George Fonts doing, dealing with the the cast on his hand while he's got a thumb issue. And, and then obviously Greg Van Roten's been bad and Connor McGovern hasn't been good. Um, you could use mobility in the pocket. You could use the guy that can make something happen when everything else breaks down. And, and that's what the Jets are going to lose with having Sam Darnold on the sideline. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So getting ready for the Cardinals game here, and, and obviously the Cardinals have uh, Kyler Murray and uh, Kingsbury. So, Connor, when you look at that team and you look at the Jets, you have two teams that have in recent years drafted a quarterback highly and hired a young coach. Now, obviously, a younger coach with Arizona coming out of the college ranks versus Adam Gase, but it seems like Arizona at 2-2, two and two, although they were 2-0, and oh, um, but an exciting offense that that's fun to watch. It seems like they're exactly what Alien the Jets concept. wish they were. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know what's crazy is the Jets actually like wind and dine Cliff Kingsbury a little bit, and and they interviewed him and stuff. It just it I was, think it I takes think it was a lot a, to wine and dine Cliff Kingsbury. If we all remember that photo from the draft, you see that house? Did you see that dude? That, that dude takes wine like, and dine to a whole nother level. <laughs> I mean, some people just have it all. Like, you know I what? Just he could like if, if you're gonna be, you, you're not like, I, just, I, I just, the guy just people like that piss me off. Like, Connor, you like, got like twelve hats behind you. You got it all. And a fish tank. Yeah, you Think, know what? I'll take I'll take good looks like that and that house over my freaking hats and fish tank. I'll trade them both in for one or the other. Like, just give me one or the other. But to have good looks like that, man, a house like that, and a paycheck coming in and be the head coach of a team in Arizona. Like Arizona is like freaking like that's my favorite place in the world too. Like it's great, but uh, yeah. he wouldn't uh, he I wouldn't mean, have that house if he was coaching the New York Jets. I tell you that much. Oh geez, I mean he'd have a shed for the same price outside like I ninety five. Yeah, guys, swear to God, man, Bree and I are looking at houses now. It's like ugh, that's a topic for another day. But the Jets like Cliff Kingsbury. Like when they were looking at Gase, they looked at Cliff Kingsbury too. I just don't think the I don't think the marriage was ever going to work because if the Jets were going to give hire cliff kingsbury cliff was going to get sam darnold and i think that what cliff kingsbury liked more was the fact that he kind of got to pick his quarterback and he wants the mobile uh, air it out and and he knew he was familiar with kyler murray obviously they worked together a little bit in college and and then he got hired and was able to say like all right basically what the cardinals offered him is what i believe the jets are going to offer whoever they hire to replace adam gase and and what the Cardinals said is we drafted josh rosen in the first round if you like josh rosen and you believe josh rosen is the guy Let's run with it. We'll either trade our number one overall pick or we'll do something else with it. If you don't believe Josh Rosen is the guy, or if you believe that Kyler Murray is going to be that good and your offense is going to be that much better with Kyler Murray, 
we'll take Kyler Murray and we'll trade Josh Rosen. Basically, they said to Cliff Kingsbury, what do you think of our quarterback situation? What do you want to do? And what would be your preference? And we're going to do that. So when the Jets eventually let go of Adam Gase and the Jets eventually go into 2021 and, and have potentially the number one or number two pick in the draft and Trevor Lawrence is there, what I think they're going to say is to whoever they hire as head coaches, what do you think of Sam Darnold? What kind of evaluation do you have on Sam Darnold? Okay, what do you think of Trevor Lawrence? Okay, what should we do? Do you want to keep Darnold? Do you believe in him that heavily? Or do you think we should move Darnold and we should start over with Trevor Lawrence? What do you want to do? And they'll end up doing that. But it, I think what looking at, I think I think you have to look at the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and all that in a little bit of a different light in terms of like this is what the Jets should be at. You know they 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 got a they got a, a quarterback a year before the Cardinals and they hired Adam Gase the same time the Cardinals hired Cliff. Why don't the Jets? I think what the better way to look at it and and honestly maybe it's just like the glass half full type approach and it's because there is so much negativity surrounding this team that that it's like I just kind of want to feel a little positive and 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 you know not not be like oh man this is what look at it in terms of like this is what the jets could also be and and this is what i i think the writing is on the wall and everyone sees it that adam gase's days with the jets are numbered that that adam gase is not going to be this team's head coach in 2021 you can make the argument that he shouldn't be this team's head coach in week five that's fine that that's your feeling but the jets have their reasons they have their their beliefs in terms of why they do not want to make a coaching change right now disagree with them agree with them it's their stance that's what they're sticking to it at least give them credit for that but in when this season ends potentially at 1 and 15 2 and 14 3 and 13 the Jets are going to move on from Adam Gase they're going to hire someone else I think what you can look at is the Cardinals situation and say okay that's a team that had invested a first round pick in Josh Rosen that's a team that kind of realized that maybe it wasn't really working and it was a team that decided to hit the reset button and they hit the reset button with a roster that was about as in dire shape as the Jets. They hit a reset button with a team that was run by by a GM that was no better than what Joe Douglas is, I would think. And and but did have kind of I would I would say Joe Douglas probably is a little bit better of a talent evaluator. And look at where they are now. They are in year two with Cliff Kingsbury and that offense is rolling. They've got year two with their quarterback who looks like he's made notable strides. And what you can say is that, you know what? Maybe this is a Jets team that if you do hit the reset button and you get yourself Trevor Lawrence and you go out there and you hire the right offensive-minded head coach and it, maybe it's Eric Bieniemy, maybe it is uh, Lincoln Riley, maybe it is somebody else that that no one is really thinking about yet. You know, somebody, maybe Josh McDaniels, maybe or or somebody from another, maybe somebody from the Seattle Seahawks coaching staff or or somebody that just is a perennial winner or some whatever. Like they hire somebody somewhere. You can look at the Arizona Cardinals situation. You can see how they've turned it around. You can see how they went from a dumpster fire picking number one in the draft to now a team that is playing in arguably the most challenging division in football, one of the most challenging divisions in football, competing within that most challenging division in football. And if they'll probably be in the playoffs this year as one of those first, second, or third wild card spots. And if not, they'll definitely, they should definitely be there next year. And you can say, okay, this is what they look like now. Maybe the Jets can do that. Maybe the Jets in two years can be competing for that same playoff spot like the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe the Jets can get their quarterback and their coach and be running and have the exciting high-powered offense and be lighting the world on fire and, and be really surprising teams because it is possible. I mean, you see teams do it. The Arizona Cardinals are an example of a team that turned it around. The LA Chargers with Herbert right now are an example of it with Anthony Lynn. I mean, you can make the argument all around the league. Joe Joe Burrow, like I know the the the... 
Bengals are one, two, and one, but you can tell like that team's even been rejuvenated and and different with with Taylor and the Packers. Even when they made their coaching change, you see how that's kind of re, uh, rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers. Although you know him probably breaking up with Danica Patrick played a role too. You never know, but <laughs> I think that you do genuinely see like how a new wave of energy can completely turn a team around where you can be so, so low, like the Cardinals were picking number one in the draft two years ago. And now look at where they are. And you can say, all right, it's not working for the jets right now. Clearly. I think they it's, there are people in that building who see the writing on the wall and realize that a coaching change is going to be coming, barring something dramatically changing. And you can say, you know what? Maybe we can do that too. You get the right coach, you get the right quarterback, you get the right philosophy I do genuinely believe the Jets have the right guy at general manager to turn this thing around and they can be a different team moving forward. Yeah, it makes sense. You get Lincoln Riley and then you have Kyler Murray's college coach and you're you're good to go. So, you know, yeah. they are improved. They're two and two. They started two and oh with wins over the Niners and Redskins. They lost to Detroit and Carolina the last two weeks. So you see the the kind of ups and downs. And to be honest, Kyler Murray, as exciting as he is, there's some ups and downs there too. I mean, he's yeah, he's got 265 rushing yards already and four touchdowns on the ground. Seven touchdowns through the air, but five picks. But you look at last week against Carolina, and Carolina, not one of the great teams in the NFL. Murray, it was dink and dunk. He only threw for 133 yards. That's just 4.3 yards per attempt. That's not good. So you're seeing, like, you know, we see with Sam Darnold the great flashes and then the rough spots. The thing with Murray, I think, is that you're seeing more week to week and there's times where he's truly electrifying and you just, you know, he gets you up off your seat with with the energy and all of that. But but this is still a team with ups and downs and Murray is still a guy who I think at this point in his career, at the beginning of season two, can still be confused a bit and can still be handled. Um, something that in the past, I think Greg Williams would be kind of, drooling over right playing a quarterback like this other than <laughs> maybe spying and having to, to deal with his legs but but the way this Jets defense is playing you kind of get the feeling that Murray's just going to have a great game yeah it's it's going to be tough to defend him because you know it's it's the old like it like the, old, the book on scrambling quarterbacks is different all the time and I remember the one on Mike Vick was like when he was in Atlanta it was one read and run right so like you knew that if you took away his first read he was going to run. And what people eventually realized that like towards the tail end of his career with the Falcons was that he would have the one read. You could take it around. So as long as you took away his first option, then all you had to do was take away the running lanes and you could contain Michael Vick and, and you could have some success against him. When he eventually got to the Eagles and Andy Reid kind of remade him as a quarterback was when he started running. That's when kind of the, the book on, on Michael Vick changed. And I remember the Giants were one of the first teams that really showed like if you flushed him out to his non-dominant side, Vic couldn't throw across his body. So like he couldn't be, he's a lefty. So he couldn't be rolling right and like pivot. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it wasn't one of those things that he could do. So you had to play tight coverage and then blitz him from that side. And then just have a spy there. So he couldn't go up with other running quarterbacks that are more quarterbacks that run, not necessarily runners that also play quarterback. You have to change because it's not about just blitzing them, right? Because you you can't you can't just sit back because these guys are such talented passers. Like if you don't pressure Kyler Murray at all, he's gonna sit in the pocket, wait for the guy to get open, and throw to the open guy. Like so, but then if you pressure Kyler Murray, which is kind of similar a little bit to Josh Allen, his first two years, if you pressure him, he's gonna wait and he's gonna find the escape lane and just get through the escape hatch and then run for for big gains and stuff like that. So. It's almost like when you you have to blitz them because you can't let them just sit in the pocket and pick you apart. But when you blitz them, 
you have to have such discipline that you don't allow these running lanes. So you almost have to to pressure, close the pocket in on them, and then make sure you bring them down. And, and when you look at the numbers on Murray, that's kind of how teams have had some success on him, is that they've been able to blitz him. Like, he doesn't handle the pressure that well. He's, he's according to Pro Football Focus, he's got, uh, where is it? Um, he's 14 of 31, which is 45.2% for 167 yards with zero touchdowns and three interceptions when he's under pressure. Mm-hmm. That's a quarterback rating of 22.6. So that's not, that's not great. So what you realize, obviously that's not great. What you realize with Murray though, is that you can't play scared, right? Like you can't go into this and say like, okay, we don't want him to get the escape routes. We don't want him to beat us with our legs. So we're going to play coverage with one quarterback spy. And that way we're going to take away his running and just make him beat us as a passer. Because if you don't pressure him and he's got time in the pocket, he'll find the guy that's open and he'll hit him. You also can't just go balls to the wall and blitz everyone because then Murray's going to find the escape route and he's going to scramble and he's going to get through and he's going to pick up you know all these rushing yards and he's going to be crazy. So you can't do that. So, I mean, it's not easy to defend him. It's obviously not that. But I think the best way to do it is like have a quarterback spy and then also blitz him. That way you can kind of get him off his spot, close the pocket in on him. And then when he does try to escape, you can have the spy to kind of come up and stop him there and, and get him disrupted and get him off balance. Because again, he's not a super, super polished passer coming out of college. You know, he was the baseball and football player, much more of a runner in, in college than he was a passer. He's only played one year in the NFL. Now he's in year two. He's still developing. He's still coming along. So it's not necessarily like this guy is is where Lamar Jackson is now or where Russell Wilson is now. I think Russell Wilson's probably the quarterback that you want to trend him towards, but he's not there yet. So if you can get him under pressure, get him under duress, get him going from not keeping his eyes down the field, but looking at the rush that's coming in, I think that'll go a, a long way for the Jets in potentially keeping this game this game close. Now, now, that's obviously a lot easier said than done, and I don't think the Jets are going to be able to do that. I think Murray's going to have a huge game, beat the Jets by two or three touchdowns, and and this one's going to be over before the third quarter. But if they do want to keep it close, I think that's kind of the way that the way that they're going to have to try to go about it. Yeah, and keep your hands up in the air because the guy is little. Um, he has had no <laughs> trouble finding his favorite receiver. I think is this. Marissa taller than him? Marissa, how tall are you? 5'4". No, okay, he's so what, 5'7"? Yeah, he's 5'7". If I wear good shoes, maybe. There you go. Yeah, the heels. That's true. There you go. Uh, Person heels has Kyler Murray on flats. Obviously, the Cardinals traded for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, The big big trade that, hey, may have been a factor in Bill O'Brien getting fired this week. But um, DeAndre Hopkins there now. And Kyler Murray has 919 yards passing. DeAndre Hopkins has 397 yards receiving. So nearly half of the passing yardage for this team goes from Murray to Hopkins. Um, unfortunately, the Jets, when you look at the secondary, they don't really have that guy they can just match up with Hopkins. So how do they approach that? Do they just play it straight and whichever side he's on, they hope for the best? Hell if I know, man. <laughs> like, I'll tell you what. I was actually, uh, we're running our preview tomorrow on this game, or it might it might actually be up a little bit later on today. And that's my matchup to monitor is is uh, is Hopkins against the Jets secondary. And, and you said the numbers. Like, I crunched them out for a 16-game average. Hopkins is on pace for 156 grabs for almost 1,600 yards and four <laughs> scores. Like, that's just freaking – 156 catches is freaking absurd, man. And the Jets' secondary has been like a disaster. Like, the defense has, has honestly been a disaster. But among the bigger things and the more alarming aspects of why the defense has been so bad is the cornerback position. Because the one thing that I wrote, like, all offseason, I look like a fool and, and dumb as hell for writing it, is that the Jets' secondary was going to be better this year than last year. Because Tremaine Johnson – Daryl Roberts were so bad and they put forth put forth such piss poor effort 
that replacing them with guys that were legitimately going to go 100% all the time was going to be an improvement over what you had there. And Pierre Desir, he's not a number one corner, but he's going to give you more than what Jermaine Johnson was giving. Bless Austin gave you more than what – um. What's his face? He Bless Austin gave you more than what Daryl Roberts was going to give you last year. He's improving. He's in year two. He's coming off a good camp. So I was like, you know what? Brian Poole's a really good nickel corner, and he has been a really good nickel corner this year. He's one of the Jets' highest-graded defensive players per pro football focus. But with Darryl, with uh, Pierre Desir and Bless Austin out wide, those two corners, I thought, were going to be legitimately better than the two corners that, that uh, the Jets had last year in Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts. I have been incredibly wrong in that regard. I know that, that Pierre Desir, I have, I'm looking on the left because I've got the numbers written down here. Uh, I know that Pierre Desir leads the league in interceptions with three, but quarterbacks have a 118.3 rating when throwing his way. He's already allowed four touchdowns in two games. He's drawn three penalties and is allowing a completion percentage of 85.7. If you think Bless Austin in year two is any better, you're completely wrong because Austin has a pro football focus grade of 44.3, which includes a coverage grade of 35.8. He's missed eight tackles this year, and quarterbacks have an 88.8 rating when throwing his way. The only reason why that uh, quarterback rating isn't higher is because he hasn't, hasn't allowed a touchdown this year. So the Jets have a huge issue in the secondary. I mean, Patrick and Jerry Judy were burning them like crazy on Thursday night. I have no idea how they're going to stop DeAndre Hopkins. And and normally when you have a receiver, you can say, like, bracket them. But, like, this is one of the reasons why, like, I never, I don't usually, like, for our picks that we do this year, like, I don't usually take the Jets. This is one where one of my picks is going to be the Cardinals because I just don't know how the Jets' defense slows these guys down. Because we're talking right now about, like, how the Jets are going to stop Kyler Murray, right? Like, you got you to gotta blitz and then you got to have the quarterback spy. So you got to blitz to close the pocket and on Murray. You have to have the quarterback spy to take away those escape lanes, right? But if you're doing those two things, you're going to have one-on-one coverage on the outside. You cannot double somebody on the outside plus blitz plus have a quarterback spy. That's not how – like there are not enough. Maybe the Jets could do that if they started 15 defenders, but you can't do it with 11. So you're basically giving one-on-one coverage to DeAndre Hopkins against Bless Austin or Pierre Desir. And I'm sorry, there has been nothing this season that has told me that either of those two guys can slow DeAndre Hopkins, let alone shut him down. So – I, it's just, it's a matchup that hurts the Jets. I mean, it hurts them because they're not an overly quick defense and the Cardinals are a very quick team. We're not even talking about Ken. I know Kenyon Drake's having a slow, uh, slow start to this season, but he's still a weapon out of the backfield and as a runner. I mean, I, I just, I don't know how you stop this team. I, I don't know. I, I can think of kind of ways where you can slow Kyler Murray, but that's basically opening up the door for DeAndre Hopkins to beat one-on-one coverage. And then literally it doesn't matter who you blitz because all it's going to be is DeAndre Hopkins beating guys off the line. Like, so it's going to be like Kyler Murray gets the snap. He's going to be releasing that ball before the defense can even get home. So this is just a, it's a, it's a matchup nightmare for the Jets. And I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know, man. You say, how are they going to stop DeAndre? I don't know. I don't think they are. That's why, I mean, if you want to, there was a, the original line of this game was like six and a half. I think you might've been able to get it even a little bit like five and a half, six and a half. If you were somehow protected by a half-point touchdown in this game, I love it. I mean, I like right. the game at seven. Obviously, it opens up the door for a potential push, but the Jets haven't been within uh, two possessions of a team this year, or they've only been within two possessions of a team this year once. They've been blown out and uncompetitive in the other three games, and this matchup is worse for them than the opener against the Bills, than the game against the Colts, and the game against the 49ers. I mean, all three of those games were easier matchups for the Jets than Arizona coming to town with this offense. So I honestly... Dude, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, your your guess is as good as mine as far as how they're they're starting this guy. If you wanna, you do that. I don't do daily fantasy, 
But if you're doing daily fantasy, I would say that DeAndre Hopkins is a hell of a first buy. I mean, I would I would put put all the money on that guy. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So the defense for the Cardinals has kind of been their their you know rough spot. They haven't they've gotten pressure on the quarterback, but overall the defense uh, ranked 19th in the league. Um, it hasn't been solved. Buda Baker missed last week's game. Chris Banjo was out. They should be back, right? So it'll be, be a little though. better there. But but still, if if the Jets have a chance in this game, I think it has to be some sort of shootout. It feels like that you know this isn't going to be a. Uh, a 17-14 win for the Jets. They're going to have to put up some points somehow. And that's a whole other issue and problem. I don't think we have to to focus in too much on that. We talked about Flacco and, and what they could have. But uh, we do have some good questions. Uh, so let's transition to that. Marissa, what do you got? Um, so this one is from Twitter from Nick's underscore truther. <laughs> um, what are the plans for Bell moving forward? Can we expect him to be on the team this time next year? If I remember correctly, when the contract was signed, there was some talk of being to let him out after two years without much of a penalty cap. Well, there's no there's no cap penalty. Bell's Bell's guarantees, if I'm not mistaken, are, are virtually gone after this year. Maybe there's like a a two or three million dollar penalty, but I, I can look it up actually. But the there's the vast majority of Le'Veon Bell's money. Uh, Jets OTC. Let's bring this up. But I'm almost positive, like the vast majority of Le'Veon Bell's money is out after this year. So it was always going to be the Jets were, were guaranteeing Bell basically two years. I think there were going to be some money tied to him in 2021, but they were going to have their out with him. And, and here it is. Yeah, so the Jets would free $9.5 million with a $4 million charge, which is basically just the proration of his of his signing bonus that is still on the books. Getting $9.5 million back basically makes him next year. So it's, it's tough to think that it will come down to the salary cap situation. I think that if, if we see the worst case scenario where there is a uh, $175 million team cap next year, which is kind of the lowest it can go, but still that's pretty low. I think it makes sense for the jets to move on to Le'Veon Bell. If the run, if the coach that comes in here um, next says, I just don't think he's worth that money. I don't like him. I think it makes sense. Le'Veon Bell go. I mean, and, and also I think it has to do with the fact that like, I know, I know people like to blame Gase and, and rip Gase for, for – and you can. I mean, there are a lot of things you can rip rip Adam Gase for. I'm one of them that has – I mean, you anyone who listens to this podcast knows I have gone on my fair share of Adam Gase rants about how bad I think that he has been over the last year and a half or so. Um, I gave him credit for the 7 and, or 6-2 and two finish, but this year has been just abysmal. With that said, some of Le'Veon Bell's struggles this year and since he's been with the Jets are not Adam Gase related. They are Le'Veon Bell related. They are, Bell does not look like he did previously. His running style just does not work with the state of the Jets. So I don't know if Bell's the same guy. I don't know if Bell took that year off and, and just isn't the same player. I don't know if he got paid and lost something. I mean, he made reference to it. Bell said it himself when we talked to him this offseason that he was not as good as he should have been uh, last year because of him, because he lost a chip on his shoulder and he wasn't going as hard as he used to go. I mean, that's a major red flag. So at right now, gun to my head, I would say that I that Le'Veon Bell is not with this team next year, that, that Joe Douglas, who 
is in that boat of not believing in paying running backs a ton of money and believing that you can run by a committee and things like that. I think he'll see that nine and a half million dollars extra in the cap and say, yeah, that's an opportunity for me to potentially go get Juju. That's an opportunity for me to go beef up this offensive line more where Joe Tooney or Brandon Sheriff might be there. Uh, that's an opportunity for me to go get a legitimate number one corner. That's an opportunity for me to potentially bring back Marcus May. I think that's probably where the Jets are headed because basically when we entered this year, we said Le'Veon Bell needs to do something that says he's still the 12, 13, 1400-yard rusher or the close to 2,000-yard all-purpose back that is going to make a legitimate difference on Sundays for the Jets to warrant keeping him at a $13.5 million cap figure next year and paying him all this money. He hasn't done anything where it makes sense more now to eat that $4 million charge, get that $9.5 million extra in your pocket, and and round out this roster with some better players. Um, Speaking of Joe Douglas, this question is from Nolan Rich. He says, what is the perception of Joe Douglas around the league right now? And then he cites an old Bleacher Report article saying um, that people are questioning his ability as a GM. I. I, that's that's no that is that i i when <laughs> joe douglas has one of the best reputations around the nfl of anyone i've ever come in contact with i mean when this guy got hired i can't tell you how many people i called and asked it got to the point where i was calling people gms coaches howie roseman everyone over at the ravens and saying like okay, this is just off the record. Can you tell me something bad about Joe? Because it's starting to get nauseating. Like, just give me something bad. Like, like <laughs> does he does he like curse all the time? Or does he smell? Like, just give me something negative about Joe Douglas because I'm sick of like hearing everything positive. No, there is no one's, no one's questioning Joe Douglas's ability. No one is, is, is believing that he can't do this. I mean, you like anyone, the, the mass, the, the primary source of people that are ripping Joe Douglas right now are people that are pissed probably that Joe Douglas isn't telling them what he wants, what they want to tell him. And and he's pissed that they're not going to, he's not going to be a source for them. And that's why they're all pissed at Joe Douglas. And they're starting to throw this little things out there that, Oh, Joe Douglas is this, or people, people question Joe Douglas's communication skills. Get real, man. Like, no, like look at what the roster, that Joe Douglas inherited. This thing is a crapshoot, dude. Like I, I, Mike McCagan was a really nice guy. I liked him as a person. He was very bad at his job, and and the players and the the hole that he and John Edzik put this team in, the 2015 and 2000. There's no one from the 2015 draft still in the Jets. I think the 2016 draft has Jordan Jenkins, and 2017 isn't looking much better. And there's the possibility that the franchise quarterback McCagnan picked isn't even a franchise quarterback either. So no, this roster that Joe Douglas inherited is atrocious, and it's going to take a couple years to rebuild this talent. And I know people can say like, oh. Look at his draft this year. It's been doing nothing. You can't say that. Makai Becton looks like a stud. Denzel Mims hasn't played. If Denzel Mims comes in here in two or three weeks whenever he's healthy and goes off, suddenly you're going to rip Joe Douglas's draft? LaMichael Pirine looks good. It's Adam Gase who's not using him. You can rip the, the one pick where I think you can honestly get on him. And it's the one pick where you can. I tr- genuinely believe that you can get on him is the James Morgan pick. I would not have gone with the quarterback there with all of the other issues. If the Jets were a team that, that was set, Sam Darnold was an undoubted stud, they had plenty of weapons, then I believe in go- you take in the quarterback, you develop, and then eventually you flip him for a pick. I believe in that. At this year, no, I don't believe in doing it. Ashton Davis, there was foresight there from Joe Douglas realizing that Marcus May was probably going to walk in free agency and he's going to be there. And as far as like trading Jamal Adams, and I know I've seen this a ton, and I've seen people rip this about like, 
oh well he should have he he why didn't he trade Jamal Adams to the Dallas Cowboys to and then he could have had CD Lamb the Jets were open to trading Jamal Adams during the draft the Jets phone lines were open no one wanted Jamal during the draft no one called the Jets and said I want Jamal Adams the Jets kind of opened their ears like hey you think maybe like they were listening no one was talking to him during the draft there was no one calling them making offers and regarding the Jamal Adams trade Jamal Adams is about wants to be the highest paid safety in the NFL. He wants $20 million a year. Look at this Jets roster. You think they can afford to give $20 million to a safety? No, look at all the other holes. That money needs to be divvied up and given elsewhere. Jamal Adams is going to be a, a temper tantrum problem child for the next year or two years. They had to get him out of there, and they got a quarterback-like ransom for a safety who is in Seattle not playing because he's hurt. And they got a quarterback-like ransom for him. So Joe Douglas made the right moves. Joe Douglas made the right picks. Becton looks like an all-world left tackle. You can't say anything about Mims yet. Jabari Zuninga, same thing. He's hurt right now, but you don't know what's going to go on with that. Ashton Davis is hurt. That's three picks that are all have soft tissue injuries that you just can't make the, the call on them yet. So to say Joe Douglas sucks or Joe Douglas is bad or Joe Douglas is a bust, no, there's no one No one with, with half a brain is saying that. No one in the NFL is saying that. People genuinely believe that Joe Douglas is the right guy to turn this around. They were stunned that Joe Douglas agreed to come work for the Jets. That's how good Joe Douglas is. People, when he got hired, the call I was getting was not that what were the Jets thinking. It's what's Joe Douglas thinking? Why is he going there? That's the guy that the Jets got. The Jets got the guy that everyone in the league couldn't believe agreed to go work for the Jets. Be happy that you have a GM here. Be happy that you guy that knows you have a guy running the show that knows what the hell he's doing and just give the dude time because the roster that he inherited was dog doo-doo. That's what he got right here. This roster is abysmal. Like you go back and look at the picks from Mike McCagnan. Go further back and look at the picks from John Idzik and realize that Joe Douglas has had one offseason. One. Not two, not three. He's had one. He took over after Mike McCagnan had put together another draft, after Mike McCagnan had put through free agency. This was Joe Douglas's first offseason on the job. That's it. If you're already ripping him, get real, man. Like, get real. Like, you can't do that. Don't question. Just you, This is one. Believe and trust him. Believe and trust him. He's the right guy. He's got his work cut out for him. This roster is terrible. His roster is bad. It's going to take some time to rebuild, but you got to give him time to do it because he's going to do it the right way. But no, the fact that questioning him, that's bullshit. That is total, total BS. That Literally, I can't tell you how many calls I got from people that say, I can't believe the Jets just got Joe Douglas. That was the call I was getting a year and a half ago, and it still remains true. They believe that as long as the Jets give this guy time, he's going to build it the right way, and he's going to get it done, and Christopher Johnson's going to give Joe Douglas the right time to get it done. All right, we go from Joe Douglas's picks to our own picks. Connor, you're up three games, and I know you're actually picking the Jets game for the first time this season. Yeah, I made, yeah, I made, I made, I made reference to that one, that I just kind of believe that, that I, I just look at this game, and the Jets – the Jets have had one game this season that was decided by two possessions. They have not had any other game that was decided within like well, I mean, however many points. I mean, it's the it's all it's just been blowout after blowout. I mean, they've one game was decided by just a minimum of two possessions. The other ones weren't even close and they were blown out. And I look at this Cardinals game and I see an advantage for Arizona on offense, defense, special teams, and coaching. I mean, I just I don't see how the Jets keep it close. The fact this game was six and a half. I would have been all over that if I if I saw that line earlier. I saw it at seven on DraftKings. That's one I still feel comfortable with. I know that obviously it opens up the possibility of a push, 
But still, I, I think the Cardinals are going to win this game by 14. The Cardinals could potentially win this game by 21. Um, it, it has the chance to get ugly just because I think the Cardinals on paper match up so, so well against the Jets that it's going to be hard for the Jets to to get going. Um, my other pick, my, my number two pick uh, that I actually like a lot is the Bucks tonight against the Bears. I made the mistake of betting on the Bears last week. It bit me in the butt going one and two. I really like them against the Colts, but I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to back on the other side and believe that Tampa Bay, I've said this before, the Bucks keep getting better week in and week out. As Tom Brady gets more comfortable with Byron Leftwich, as Brady gets more comfortable with Bruce Arians, as he gets more comfortable with, with uh, Leonard Fournette in the running game and, and Chris Godwin once he comes back and Mike Evans, you're just going to see that team get better and better and better. I'm a huge believer in Todd Bowles on that defensive staff. I think they're going to have a big bounce back week. Thursday night, two and a half against the Bears. Uh, give me that line. I like the the Buccaneers as well on Thursday night, even though I usually stay away from Thursday night games. And the other one I like is is I've been on the other end of the bandwagon this entire time, not believing in the Colts and thinking they stink. I'm gonna jump on the Colts uh, this week against the uh, the Cleveland Browns, and and I like um, I do like Baker. Uh, I do like some of the roster that that Cleveland that Cleveland team has has pieced together. I mean, you look down their practice squad and they look deep on offense, on defense, on special teams. I mean, they've done a really good job filling out that roster um, all over the place. So I, I do like Cleveland. I think Cleveland's headed in the right direction. Um, but I'm going to take the uh, the Colts this week, minus two. Um, so I, I like them as well. So so my three picks this week, Stunner first, going with uh, the Cardinals, betting a Jets game. I, I like Arizona minus seven. Uh, these lines courtesy of DraftKings, obviously. I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night at minus two and a half. And then I like the Colts against the uh, Browns minus two. Colts <laughs> are probably the one that I'm a little iffy on, but the other two I like a lot. Yeah, and that Colts line has actually already moved since you you officially got your picks in. I know to the editor at minus two. That's actually minus one now. So that uh, scares me. Yeah, that, the money's that moving. Means I'm probably on the wrong end of the line. The so money's little, moving ooh. to that Browns roster. Um, yeah. All right, I'm uh, agreeing with you with the Bucks tonight uh, minus three and a half. I'll go with that one at the Bears. The Bears just, I mean, it doesn't matter that it's at the Bears at this point, and I think the Bucks take care of business. The Falcons, I just feel like eventually they got to win a game, and with a one and a half point spread this week at home Carolina I'll go with the Falcons and then finally I think I've gone with I don't know if I picked them as many times as you have Connor but the Seahawks have been good um, to betters and I'm going to take them it's seven similar to you with the Cardinals that seven points is always tricky but at home the Vikings haven't been good I'll take the Seahawks minus seven on Sunday night Marissa um, all right, so I'm going to go plus two versus the Falcons. Um, even though on the Athletic Football Show, we talked a lot this week about how uh, Dan Quinn has a lot at stake for the Falcons, but I'm going to ride the Panthers there plus two, and then the Rams minus seven versus Kyle Allen and the Washington football team with no Dwayne Haskins. And then I'm going to go this one, I'm a little not iffy on, but I'm going to go Steelers minus seven and a half versus the Eagles. The Steelers. Obviously had that forced by last week um, because of their matchup with the Titans being canceled. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Steelers Ooh, going minus against seven the and Eagles. That one. Birds with friends, not gonna be happy. Yeah, don't tell birds with friends. <laughs> hey, Shield picked it too. I can't get he's gone national. He doesn't care anymore. <laughs> I can't get I can't get a read on uh, I can't get a read on the Steelers and if they're good on or not. the Steelers because. They've only the teams they beat. If you look at the teams they beat, it's not they're not like these yeah. you know great teams, and they haven't beat them by a lot. So that did scare me. But they are coming off a bye, and the Eagles are really really injured. Like I mean, they could give the Jets a run for their money. It's so. Still beat it by twenty. Uh, I don't <laughs> so, know. 
yeah i mean yeah but <laughs> so yeah that's my third all right that's gonna do it for us we're gonna be back on monday i believe yes monday with a recap of this cardinals game we'll see how joe flacco and the offense does and how the defense contains kyler murray and we'll be back at it if you need a subscription to the athletic use this code use the athletic.com slash the can't wait podcast and you can join Dog. for just one dollar a month Follow us on Twitter. Connor's at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Tim M. McMaster from Ree. And Marissa is at Marissa underscore Morris. Thanks for tuning in to the Can't Wait Podcast. Have a great night, everyone. Tim, your dog made an appearance. I know. He should. Your dog's everlasting. I started, and then I, I was like, I I, just, I definitely just heard a dog leash, and it's not mine. And then I saw him <laughs> pop over your shoulder. I was like, we got a dog appearance. Yeah. That's two for two. Lucy's made the appearance. And I'll, what's his name? Her Rufus. name. Rufus. He, Rufus. Ru oh, that's a name. Now, that's a powerful name, Rufus. He looks like a Rufus, yeah. too. I like it. When this when this season really goes down the shitter and they're like one in ten, we're just gonna we're gonna put the dogs in place of all of us. <laughs> With the mic. And Marissa's gonna have to produce that. <laughs> all right. Bye everybody. <laughs>